This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Good evening and welcome everybody to Christchurch, Jerusalem on our evening Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study on the last words of Moses, looking at the book of Deuteronomy. We are currently in chapter 28, getting to the end of the single longest monologue in the entire Bible, as uh, Moses is doing his best to prepare the people of Israel to enter the land and set up a, a just society that reflects the character of God. A book that was um, so important, it was one of the uh, most common, it is the most common quoted book in the New Testament, and uh, one of those that we find a, a fair number of copies in antiquity. Uh, and so let's honor the presence of the Lord. We know he is present by uh, acknowledging his His uh, His spirit with us. Brother Neville, if you could lead us in prayer. Yes, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you fill heaven and earth. There is nothing outside of your understanding or your sight. So, Father, we treasure your presence with us, and we pray that you would lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit, that we may see wonderful things out of your law. Amen. Amen. Okay, so looking at the last week's um, uh, notes, I put them in the chat box. Does everybody got that? Or do I need to do it again? Yeah, everybody got it? I'll put it in there again just in case. All right. And so this is a summary of our discussion from Deuteronomy 27 from last week. Moses breaks his monologue to speak together with the elders of Israel, known in modern Orthodox circles as the Sanhedrin, traditionally numbering 70 elders. They instruct the people to perform a very specific ceremony once they have crossed the Jordan on the mountains of Ibal and Gerizim. Now, part of this ceremony involved construction of an altar and the establishment of pillars of stone that are then plastered and written on. What exactly is written on these monument stones is unclear. Opinions range from the entire Torah to the Decalogue. Joshua 4 verse 9 testifies that Israel did indeed follow this practice of setting up stones as a symbolic witness of the covenant. Altars made from uncut field stone have been located as far south as Arad. What is interesting is this witness ceremony, altar and stones, are not in the location promised that the Lord will choose to put his name. It is not Shiloh and Jerusalem. Joshua 22 also records another altar set up to the Lord in the territory of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, on the east side of the Jordan. Historically and archaeologically, we know that Israel constructed more than one temple and built more than one altar to God. Perhaps the source of this tradition is established from this initial sacred site on these mountains. The ceremony will involve dividing the tribes between the mountains and declaring blessing from Gerizim and the curses from Ebal. Again, we note that the altar and sacrifices are done on Mount Ebal, the mountain of the curses, and not on the mountain of blessing. And in our discussions on why this might be the case, we pondered the connection between the curse and the need for sacrifice to deal with the consequence of the curse. 
Moses, who is a Levite and other Levitical priests, once again command the people to obey the Lord. Interestingly, the tribes of Israel are here listed as the direct sons of Jacob. That is, Joseph is listed as a tribe and not Ephraim and Manasseh. The tribe of Joseph is rarely listed as a distinct tribe. And in the allotment of the land, it falls to his half-Egyptian children, Ephraim and Manasseh. The Levites call for the people to be silent, something we all find quite difficult to do even in this day. Although the ceremony calls for the proclamation of both blessings and curses, the text only records the curses. Jewish exegesis acknowledges the discrepancy and appends blessings as the, op- as the direct opposites to the curses. That Thus, if a curse says, cursed is anyone who makes an idol, then the corresponding blessing must be, blessed be anyone who does not make an idol. The Gospels portray Jesus as the new Moses, in particular, the Gospel of Matthew. Perhaps this is the source for Matthew's teaching on the Mount of Beatitudes, the mountain of blessings. Jesus, as the new Moses, pronounces blessings in Matthew 5, while Luke 6 does include both blessings and curses. Each curse is accepted through the response of Amen, which in Jewish exegesis is thought of as an anachronym, Adonai Melech Neman, or God the King is Faithful. That's Tractate Septuagint, Shabbat, uh, page 122, Although the Septuagint translated their response as let it be so, which is not a translation of the word amen itself, but rather a translation of the response in context. No mention is made of the Ark of the Covenant or the Tabernacle. Their presence seems once again diminished in role and responsibility. Many of these curses are upon sins that are done in secret. The Messiah teaches that what what should be done in secret is actually fasting, prayer, and good deeds. The obligation upon Israel is encapsulated in the last curse, which states, Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this Torah. Paul alludes to this curse when declaring in Romans 3.31 that faith and obedience in Messiah Jesus, Yeshua, does not nullify the law. Rather, we uphold the law. A little rendition of our discussion from last week. Now we move on to 28. 28 is a very long chapter, um, and so I don't think I'll read all of it. Is that okay? Because it can get quite repetitious. Instead, I'll read um, the first 44 verses. So it's about halfway, and then that will pretty much cover it. And so we'll begin. I'm reading from an ESV. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of the womb and the fruit of your, of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and increase your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, be, uh, shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. 
The Lord will command a blessing on you in your barns and in, and in all you undertake. And he will bless you in the land and the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers to you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heaven the treasury, the heavens, to give you the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be your, the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in. And cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with a wasting disease, with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and with drought, and with blight, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish, and the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain on your land powder. From the heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors and scabs and, and itch, and of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, there will be no one to help you. You shall betroth the wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you will not enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, and you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey will be seized before your face, and you shall not be restored to you. Your sheep will be given to your enemies, and there shall be no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and frail with longing for them all day long. But you shall be helpless. A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of the ground and all of your labors, and you shall be oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils, of which you cannot be healed from the sole of the foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there's 
and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. You shall become a horror, proverb, byword among all the peoples where the Lord shall lead you. You shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather in little. The locusts shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall, not, you shall need, neither drink the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not uh, eat yourself with the oil, for the olives that shall, shall, shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but that shall not be yours. They shall go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all your trees and the fruit of the ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you. And you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you. You shall not lend to him. He shall be the head. And you shall be the tail. All right. There you go. Seems pretty dismal. Um, what, a, what a real pep talk that Moses is giving these guys. Um, you can almost hear them sort of going, well, Thank you, boss. I feel so encouraged now. I'm thinking of getting my sword and attacking the giants. All right, guys. Um, based on a literal reading of the Bible, what's your first reaction? My first reaction to this is that it's just very black and white. There's, I mean, knowing a bit of the history, you know, that sometimes these things are mixed together. Sometimes there was relief from the problems and, you know, the, the terrible, the most terrible exile was postponed for many centuries. Right. But here it is presented as just one thing or the other. Yeah. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a, a grey. <laughs> yeah. a, a mixed up middle or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Noble. Anybody, what's, what are anybody else's first reactions? What I find quite interesting is actually, sorry, Aaron, just the... the Verse 45, moreover, all these curses will come yep. upon you. It's not like just one or two of them. It's like every single one of these curses will happen to that person. And that's yep. terrifying. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, can, you might be able to handle one, possibly two, but not all of them at once. Any other initial reactions? Aaron, I, I just, what came to mind was Jeremiah when he talked, I can't remember where, where it is immediately, but where he talks about planting and tearing up. Yeah. And it just reminded me of that. Yeah, that's okay. part of his, Jeremiah's calling in chapter one. Yeah. What the Lord said that he would do, that he would tear down, pull down and destroy, then build and plant. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Let's have a, uh, a look at the text and then see if what sort of uh, what we can take for our community today, uh, particularly in light of the risen Messiah. Okay, so standing before the people of Israel, Moses says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All right. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. All right. So what do we get in uh, the first couple of verses? I mean, this sort of covenant that you know, God makes with 
these humans, um, uh, you know, if you if there's obedience, there's a reward, is similar to other nations too. I mean, all kings of the earth uh, do that to their subjects, but this is uh, one being made between God and uh, and man. And um, what do you note about the covenant? I notice that it mentions the voice of the Lord. So it's not just relying on what is written. Right. That yeah. it's actually the ongoing and then the details and the, the things that will be revealed to the prophets. These are also important. Yep. Yeah. Um, does anybody have a different translation in verse 1? I've got, um, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord. What does anybody else got? If you listen. Oh, yeah? Okay. If you listen. So how do you listen? So my question is, what does it mean to listen? Does it mean with your ears, with your spirit, with your heart, through prophets, through okay. messengers, dreams, visions? Okay. Yeah, it's a good question because, it, you know, how the do you Hebrew, obey? The Hebrew is tishma be. It means obey. It's not yeah. tishma le. It's tishma be. And it's double shema. Is that correct, Arie? No. Im lo tishma bekol Adonai Elohecha lishmo la'asot et kol mitzvotav. It's one tishma. Uh, yeah, there's two shmas. Im uh, im shema tishma bekol Adonai. So there's two shmas. Ah, sorry, I was looking at uh, verse 15. You're right. Yep. Of so, so verse one starts with im. Uh, which is a double double word shema and um, there as 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 people who read Hebrew and Ariel back me up on this one there's no punctuation in uh, biblical Hebrew so how do you add an emphasis to something if you can't use you know an exclamation mark or something and so often in biblical Hebrew you do a double word play like in, in the New Testament, we'll say things like amen and amen, verily, verily, truly, truly. Um, an example of this would be in Genesis where um, uh, they take the cloak of uh, Joseph to Jacob and Jacob says in Hebrew, um, well, in the English translation, we say surely uh, Joseph has been torn. But in Hebrew, it just says Joseph has been torn, torn. It uses the double, it says torn twice. But English translations don't say torn, torn, because that would, is, is not what it really means. So I know what the literal text says, but our, our Bible translators know what they mean when they say it. Yeah. So they, they add the word things like, Joseph has been surely torn. But yeah, that word surely actually isn't there. Okay? Yeah, mine says diligently obey. Okay, yours is diligently, so mine's faithfully. And, and so any translator needs to figure out, okay, double emphasis here. And so I'll, I'll pick a word. Um, what does your translation say, Monica? What do they say for that? It says, Shamoa uh, Tishma. Yeah. So as you say, actually. Yeah. Double, no, double, it's a double, it's very, it's trying to say something. First it says, listen, then obey comes after that. I mean, carefully understand yeah, I mean, if, you, if you'd thrown a vav in there, you could probably go and listen and obey, but it, it's, uh, um, it's an emphasis on the um, obey bit. Okay? Yeah. But it's interesting that it's conditional. It's got the word im in there. And if. 
Yeah, if. And the Gospel of John has a large number of ifs. It, it really does. You know, if you abide in me, I will remain in you. You know, these, there's a lot of that sort of very similar uh, pattern that, that goes in there. So what do you guys think of the word if? Well, uh, I would like to say something about this. Um, I, I remember uh, studying this chapter in the Yeshua, and they taught us that uh, because Torah, basically the Bible, is a uh, guidance from God, and if you obey all these instructions, so you will be above all other nations because Bible has a lot of instructions from family life to food, from business to, you know, a lot of things. So it gives you a very, you know, like a guidebook. So if you follow it, so you have a shepherd, and then you will be above all other nations in that area because at that time they didn't have such a book. You know, this is the first first book actually. That's I have a question on that point, Mordecai. Yeah. Do not just Mordecai, but anyone. Do y'all think or believe or know? Is this a simple? literal following of these instructions or does it have to be done from the heart or can yeah. you have no yeah. no feeling whatsoever no love for god <laughs> but still do these and he'll still keep his end of the bargain <laughs> okay you know what that's a really good yeah it's a great question roddy and it's interesting that last week we read just before we read down 27 we did read that little bit in 26 and in 26, you know, it says, you, um, this day the Lord, this is 26 verse 16, this day the Lord your God commands you to do all these statutes and rules. Okay, fine. Seems very clear. Do. Doesn't have got anything to do with an emotion. Right? Just do them. However, it says, you shall therefore be careful to do them with Joy. all your heart and soul. So yeah. it does seem to add, you, you can't just, you know, wash the dishes and grumble, and, well, and then think mummy's happy. It's it, there's a there's a there's there's somehow somewhere there's always a connection between Torah, the, the and the heart and the soul. Write these laws on your heart. So, Roddy, I got that's a good question. Well, we have the answer in this chapter, verse forty-seven. It says, "Since you didn't serve God, your God, with joy and heartfelt." You know, oh, very it's, good. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So joy equals to faith, and you know, old. old yeah. 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 So because you didn't serve yeah. the Lord your God, uh, verse forty-seven. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because yeah. of the of the abundance of all things. And so, yes, there is this. There is a connection, and it's actually quite strong in Deuteronomy. Because remember, right at the start. Write these laws on your heart. So for, for Moses, it has, it has been a very much about a heart issue. Moses yeah, is it's it's simcha, as you know, simcha means... Mm, joy, joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have a, a, a... This came to mind, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just something that when you said the im, right, the if, mm -hmm. and uh, I just thought of, you know, when, when Abraham went into covenant and uh, 
it was a unilateral covenant in Genesis chapter 15. Wait, my daughter is, is making a juice here. But uh, a unilateral covenant, covenant where the parts were split and only um, God went through the pieces. Right. And then the promises and the blessings, of course, in the land to the Israel, you know, to Abraham and, and his descendants. And then thinking about Jeremiah 34, where it was a bilateral covenant, where they, um, you know, all of the officials and Jeremiah 34 and the, the, the officials, the priests, the eunuchs, and all of the people who passed through the middle of the calf. So that was a bilateral covenant where they were supposed to let the people after seven years at the Shemitah be freed from slavery and they didn't obey. And then that's part of the reason that they, uh, they blaspheme. It's profane the name of, of God. And then he said, just like, you know, measure for measure, just like what was done to the calf pieces you have also is, is, is going to be done with you. And so it just, it's the if, right? But Abraham passed through. Of course, you have to obey the, you know, the uh, the commandments to have the blessings. But Abraham didn't go through the parts. Whereas in Jeremiah thirty-four, both parties were present. So just an observation on that. Sure. Okay. Okay. But it is interesting that at the 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 way the that Moses discusses the covenant, there is this if seems to be conditional. But at the same time, it's got to be with the heart. It can't just be a works-based approach. That just doesn't work. And that's going to be true in our community. You can't say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to be good. And But love Jesus? Oh, no, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Love, my, love, love humans? Oh, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm just going to be nice. Um, well, there's, there's a quite work mm-hmm. and i think you see the, the moses outplaying this um standing in front of the people of god saying listen as the people of god i want you really to be the people of god i've got this absolutely fantastic instruction it's just the best thing since sliced bread no other nation has anything like this we've got rules for how you're supposed to handle the the earth how you're supposed to handle your animals? How we're going to treat slaves freely? We're going to we're going to t- we're going to take care of women and widows and orphans. We're going to have the best justice society. But at its core, it's going to be because your hearts are going to be so so full of love for God. You're just going to it's just going to pour out of you. You're going to it's going to you're going to marry your obedience with your heartfelt relation to the Lord. And uh, and, and, and the way he does it, I mean, it's obviously biblical Hebrew and it's very poetic language and it's, and it's great, um, but, it's, but it's there. And, uh, and-, mm-hmm. and it's towards the end of Moses's life and the same thing happens with Joshua as he's towards the end, blessings and, and yeah. curses. And, and yes. you know, my, my family, we will, you can serve the gods on the other side of the river, the Amorites and the Egyptians. But whatever you want, me, but for me yeah, and my house, whatever, yeah. the yes. So it's just, again, it just keeps remind, the same reminders. It goes all the way through until the book of Revelation where he says, you know, the ones that, to the ones that, um, in Revelation, I think, let's see, it's uh, 14. To here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Yeshua. So it's just yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah, from the beginning to end, obedience to God's commandments, right? As, as, as Jesus says on, in the book, end of Matthew, go out into all the world, make disciples, baptize, and you teach them to obey. Right? He doesn't just say just baptize, slam dunk them, and then just let them tell them to sit under a tree, wait for the rapture. 
You know, I'll, I'll come in a couple of thousand years. There is a very strong call to, I've got you in my hand. I've got so many angels I can protect you. It's not funny. Um, but as a called people, I want you to reflect my character. Here are my, here's the way I really want you to live your life. But I also want your heart. I want, I want yeah. a, a loving relationship. I would like to say something about what you want to say then. But uh, it, I was began with uh, verse 7, you know. It's all uh, tied to each other. It's Deuteronomy 7? No, no. Uh, same chapter, 28, verse 7. Okay. Yep. It says, The Lord will cause your enemies who raise against you to be defeated before you, right? Yeah. So here it doesn't mean that God will... Uh, kill the enemies, right? But because we are uh, serving God with joy, which brings obedience into our lives, the enemy won't be able to, to attack us. So what is the enemy? We already talked about it, the Amalek, Yetzarara, evil inclination, whatever you call it. But there are a lot of uh, you know, temptations in this world that tries to attempt us. But we, if we stay with faith, and if we stay, like, if our faith based on joy, then we will be fulfilling this service of God. Well, God doesn't want us to just wake up and say, you know, damn, I'm going to the synagogue again, again, I have to put the table, you know, it's Sunday again, here we go, three hours of church. Well, it doesn't help us. It, it doesn't help our faith either. But if we wake up with, with saying, oh, it's Sunday, I'm going to the church, or Saturday, I'm going to the synagogue to practice, to learn, uh, to pray, then we are actually building our faith, and it grows more stronger. That's why God kept telling Israelites to, you know, just do it with joy, because you will like it. If you like it, you will want to, learn more, you will eager to learn more, you know, and you will always try to find a new thing to learn, try to find a new way to serve me. And then that will help your faith to grow in order, and then your enemies won't be able to attack you because of your faith, which, which was grown on joy, smicha. You know, in Hebrew 11, there are many examples uh, it's too long to read, but it starts with Abraham, it goes from Moshe, uh, Egyptians. It says, for example, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as of the yes. It says, for example, by faith, Abraham, when he te was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act. And, you know, he knew that God would raise him from God. It goes like this, Hebrews 11. Please read it. You know, after the meeting, you will see how our faith with joy could help us to stop enemies before even uh, attempt to attack us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And here it says at the end, uh, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak, since it goes like that. What more shall I say? There are many examples in your Bibles, you know. If you read it, you will you will understand what I mean. If you uh, uh, obey God, you know Sarah, for example, right? It's here. It's another example with about Sarah. It says, "By faith, Sarah herself received the power to convince, even when she was past the age, 
but she obeyed joyfully because she knew because you know joy is very important that's why we we keep seeing it in the bible joy equals to trust you know joy equals bitahon, to bitahon and emuna yeah and loyalty and faith yeah joy is very important and many times it's all connected to each other old testament new testament you know why does god need to say like like joy it doesn't mean like go and dance it's also good but not only that you know mm-hmm. there's so many times Hebrews 11 how many times in um, in Deuteronomy have we seen Moses say and once and with you with the lord rejoice you know this very strong command to uh, also have uh, fun so yeah righty good question uh, Mordecai really like the, your passion oh my gosh it, it uh, makes me smile well as you know everybody smile by the way Yeah, I was in church in the Yeshua, Ivona. You know, we had a, a, like dozens of guys. And some of them are so eager to learn more things every day. And some of them are like, oh, are we done yet? Yeah. When is the last? Yeah, so yeah like, we have that. Yeah, that's know. everywhere. You don't that's learn. everywhere. Yeah, that's everywhere. Half of them are priests, by the way, Yvonne. <laughs> What's that? Half of them are the priests at the front of the church, okay? <laughs> Yeah, we've got that everywhere, Mordecai. You, you know, it, it is, it's just, you, when you, you know, when the two disciples uh, from Emmaus are coming down and then the Lord revealed himself and they said, wow, weren't our hearts burning? Yeah, so love. it's exactly that for me, following the Lord. Like I had one of those experiences where growing up in the church, but now like, you know, that, that it's just the, it's just the Lord, you know, and, and, uh, and the heart's burning and you want more and and the more you yeah. obey the more he reveals himself it's it's amazing but but you know uh, just an observation Mordecai you know some of them uh, the they uh like they were they uh you know they of course were always defeating our enemies our internal external enemies but some of them were 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 sown were sown in half you know yeah. <laughs> many are in in, in Turkey and, and whatever in, in the Middle East and especially uh, you know they're they're but but they can do that for their faith joyfully and that's that's the uh, ultimate challenge yeah. but uh you know they you you do uh, many many are persecuted and and if you follow um you follow and there will be some of that but of course uh we're willing to give you know our lives and that that's the hard part that's that's that, where bitahon and emuna and all of that comes in one last thing and i will meet myself forever <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's actually an answer to him as well if because this is not the job you don't have to do that if you do it joyfully then do that but if you don't want to do it joyfully in joy or besimcha then don't do that you don't have to do that this is not a job eight to five but that's why there's a him here if you want okay. to do that do it with joy if you don't do want to do that don't do it it's not a job it's a religion you know Don't go to church because what it's not the university that they check if you come or not come I mean you're doing it for you it's all for our benefits excellent all right so uh, from verse 2 going on to verse 6 okay I'm going to read those verses together and then sum it up and then ask the question because uh, you know the potential blessings you know of this obedience you Uh, are incredibly powerful. Okay. 
and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Well, that sounds good. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God and, and that obey the word there, as Ari will be able to confirm with me, is Shema, hear, listen, and obey. Same word. Okay, the voice of the Lord your God. So probably, you know, hear voice, obey voice, very closely linked. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. It seems that these blessings shall be in everywhere. They'll be nearly every aspect of your life. So what does this sound like to a modern evangelical ear or potentially to a modern evangelical ear? Come on, guys. Prosperity. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Yes, it rather smacks of prosperity gospel, doesn't it? You know? Look, if you obey, look what I'll do. Oh, my God. And you can do it with joy. You can shout. You can dance. You can raise your hands, sing, clap to loud rock music and sing 17 times over. Um, how is this not prosperity gospel? Well, the interesting thing about the prosperity gospel is they'll really jump on the promises of prosperity. But if you're going to do that, in this first part of chapter 28, then you're going to need to take pay attention to the rest of chapter 28. In other words, you've got to take ownership of the curses. Well and done. It, <laughs> and Say that oddly again, enough, please. Really loud for all those who are listening. <laughs> and oddly enough, people don't seem to be quite so willing to take on board the curses, but let, they'll uh, you know, appropriate the blessings to themselves very quickly. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Very much. Yes. It, there... I mean, God is a good father, and so he knows how to give good things to his children, says the Lord. And he says how much he can bless. He is, of course, the God of heaven, so of course he can do that. And so um, following the Lord shouldn't be, let's all follow the Lord and be poor and impoverished and you know crawl around on the ground and never know sure where we're going to eat because, of course, that's going to be attractive and everybody's going to want to come and um, follow the Lord. Uh, that, that is not true. That doesn't mean that bad things don't happen, but it does mean that God does know how to bless his children. And, but running it so far into prosperity gospel without the other side of the coin, the, the curses, is a, uh, a very poor reading of Bible. And so I, I think it's very appreciative that Moses does um, balance the two. However, he does seem to spend a lot of time talking about the curses than he does about the blessings. Um, um, he spent, so there might be a reason for that too. Uh, but the blessing is in all aspects of, of life, everything from economy to family uh, um, to you know, your social life and uh, every part, a part of it. But it is linked to being able to hear and obey the voice of God. One thing that struck me, Aaron, in that passage is the idea of fruitfulness. In other words, the fruitfulness of the womb and the ground and the cattle and so on on all the herds, it all is grouped together. It's, it's a single thing, which was very common in, in ancient times, except, you know, they would correlate 
um, acts of rather dubious behavior in trines to try and encourage the fertility of the ground. Yeah. Um, but here, although they're conceptually linked, it's all associated with obedience with the Lord. I mean, it comes as, it comes as a package, the fruitfulness of the womb as well as the fruitfulness yeah. of the ground yeah. linked to faithfulness to the Lord. Yeah. Yes. And, and fruitfulness of the room and fruitfulness period was a, a very big deal in the Middle East, of course, because um, if, you, if the ground didn't grow food, well, you're dead. And, uh, and if you don't have children, then your nation will eventually die. Um, and one of the most common idols that you find in antiquity and that includes in Israel is fertility gods. Yeah. And uh, which is they, they really did have a big fascination with, with making sure that their women could uh, produce, mm. produce children. I was having a discussion with this with a, a friend that I you know taking around here and uh, uh, we went down into the uh, city of David and, and there are these pictures of these fertility gods that they, they find all over the place, particularly the ones with big breasts. Mm. And people can these days suddenly think, oh, uh, this looks like pornography. Yeah. That, um, I, I explained to her, no, no, it's not pornography. Actually, it's an awful lot worse than that because as a generalization, it will be the women that would worship these gods because they want fertility. So as, it's worse in the sense that you're attributing to a lump of clay the ability to give life, whereas pornography is just a misplaced libido. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually much, much worse than that, these, these yeah. fertility goddesses. You know, can, can this lump of clay give life? Absolutely not. Yeah. 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 And so it goes back to the principle, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Yes. And stay away from idolatry and, you know, mm. do that or else, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just writing that down. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah. It, it is. The, it constantly comes back to Moses' um, desire that faith is, also, is a heart issue. Obedience is a heart issue. The whole thing is a heart issue. God wants to be king of your heart. And uh, for this book to have a very prominent place in New Testament, in the quoting in the New Testament and in shaping uh, late Second Hebrew Judaism, you can see how um, the message of Jesus really fits in as the new Moses. He's not in any way, size, shape or form taking anything away from the Torah. In fact, He's simply saying, guys, you sh you've, you've, seen this, this, you've seen this written. You've heard this preached. You really should know this. Um, but I'll add a few more. Keep loving. Love even more. Um, verse 7, very interesting one. Mordecai's already mentioned it. And there's a deeper level because I talked with him last week on this one as well. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way, and they'll flee before you seven ways. Okay, so there's got a couple of different meanings levels in this. And the classic Chabad one, I always love talking to uh, my old Chabad boy, um, is they like to internalize the enemies. You know, like Amalek, we always, where's Amalek? We looked at Amalek on the outside, but he is also inside us. So one of the enemies is, as Mordecai said, our own temptations. Okay? But also there's enemies outside. So what does this verse also teach us about life? The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you, 
Okay, let's just think about external ones here. To be defeated before you, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Very, very poetic way of saying they will be scattered to the wind. So what are you blessed in? What is actually the blessing? Well, even through the Psalms, you're blessed, right, when you obey God and when you follow God. And, you know, like in the New Testament, it says that his commands are not burdensome. So yep. the concept is that the more holy you are, the more at peace you are, at rest, and the more blessed, right? You, you live a healthier, happier life if you love God and serve sure. God. Yeah. As opposed to the curses, my goodness, it's like run, you know? Yeah, run, yeah. I like your comment there, Andrew, in the comments bar. I'll read it out for the, for the, the tape. How often do the followers of Yeshua fear the enemy rather than if we are obedient, we should recognize that the enemy fears us. That's, yeah, I think, you know, one of the, what, is, what does the devil feel? Fear. He, he fears an obedient believer. Okay. He fears a real disciple of the Messiah. But he certainly doesn't fear um, uh, a disobedient one. However, and it's interesting. I'll, I'll, Go, Yvonne. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, just, you know, it, it fleeing in seven directions. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, um, that, that's an, um, one of those magic numbers. doesn't mean literally they're going to run in, in seven directions. It's and the completeness. Their, their, their defeat is total. Yeah. Their defeat What's very is interesting sure. for me, Aaron, is in this passage, it doesn't show that in the blessing that you won't have enemies come against you. Even in the blessing, enemies will come against you. But in the blessing, you will defeat them. Thanks, Vita. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, is yeah. No, well done. Is that you're blessed in warfare. You're not blessed in peace. You know, it's like you know, blessed. You know, you, you believe in believe in Jesus and believe in the Messiah. Nothing bad will happen to you. Uh, that's not what it says. <laughs> uh, you know, it's when 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 the enemy comes, you will beat him. You'll beat him externally and. You'll beat him internally, right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, oh, I, I can't overcome evil. Yeah, you can. And Messiah yeah. has done it. You can do this. Well, we, we, you and I studied the chapter when Jesus entered the synagogue and there was an evil there and says, like, oh, son of God, why did you come to destroy us or something, right? Mm -hmm. I don't remember word by word, but here uh, the evil sees Jesus, but his faith defeats the evil you know yep and evil couldn't even you know attempt to attack jesus right correct so that's how we defeated there's no sword or gun you know please don't shoot anyone and you, you know when you go to the courtroom you won't be able to say oh, i just feel full torah because say i should de defeat my enemies but it means defeating enemies with your face yeah so they won't yeah. be able to attack you as we see in the Bible. What, what is interesting is no demon ever tried to attack Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Uh, because his faith was greater than everybody, even from, you know, than Moshe Rabbeinu. So. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, the situation I'd like to point this out is when Jesus crossed the Galilee and there was this man who was possessed by demons in a really bad way. Yeah. And he asked his name and he says, my name is Legion. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus doesn't really enter into the conversation, but in, in my head, I think Jesus could have said something like this. Okay, 
one thing you need to know right here and right now is no matter how many you call yourself, you are outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yes. And, I, and putting that all together, um, um, believers do have enemies too. Um, and that means, you know, uh, coming to faith in the Messiah, as Vita pointed out, you know, doesn't mean that we will have peaceful lives or that the enemy won't try and get us or that, you know, we won't ever encounter bad guys. But as uh, Neville and, and Mordecai have pointed out, it doesn't matter how many come. It does not matter how big they are. They will fall. And that is in, an incredibly powerful uh, statement. It's, it's a great statement. It's, I'll just finish. It's a great statement for Israel, who's about to go and face giants and face war, uh, particularly without Moses. They're going to have to get a new leader to be a little scary. Um, and, and, and it sort of applies to them, and it applies to us. Go, Roddy. Just to add into that, for me, it shows the importance of the, of the spirit as opposed to the body. Okay. Because even Yeshua allowed the demon men to destroy his body, which meant absolutely nothing. But for us humans to get that across, for us to understand it and to accept it, that this body is only temporal, it's very temporary. It's about what's within and not what's without. Okay. All right. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I guess that also comes down to where's the Torah meant to be on your heart. They can take away the body, but they can't take away your faith. And uh, All right. Continuing on with verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your barns. Okay. So more of this good stuff. Uh, and, and in all that you undertake, he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay. Does that mean that if you're outside the land, you don't get a blessing? What do you think? Mordecai, is there a rabbinic uh, injunction or saying or something that says you're more blessed if you're in Israel than out of it? Yeah, it says, of course, but... Oh, yeah. But it doesn't mean that you won't get any blessings if you live outside of Israel. Sure. Yeah. Because you just think, you know, um, Jewish business outside the world, they always manage to do well. It doesn't matter whether they were. Yeah. It's just the thing. Many Nobel Prize winners are all Jews, and hardly any of them were ever actually in Israel. However, this one is also tied, as Moses is saying, to a land. Why? Because they truly are about to go into a land. And the Jewish yeah. people are tied to a land. Their history is tied to a land. Uh, here you go. We keep coming back, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can't, can't, can't keep a good, a good Jew down. Uh, yeah, there's, they, they, are, they are tied to this land. And uh, that includes a blessing uh, in the land. And, and you see it here. So he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, this, again, this gift. The land is a gift. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Okay. So um, there, verse 9, 
established mm. as a holy people. What's the if condition? Mitzvot, okay, keep the commandments. All right, so going into the New Testament, who else is called a holy people? Everybody? All right, okay, so why are we called the holy people? Why are we called the holy people? I mean, these guys are called the holy people. If you keep the commandments, what about everybody else? Because we've got the Holy Spirit in us. Okay. So and what happened? Yeah, keep going. And we've been converted and, and transformed into the image of Christ. So we are holy because he's holy. And okay, we are we're holy because he's holy. Okay. Right. And that, Is that, that where produces, it ends? No, and that produces in us a, a desire. No. The heart to keep the mitzvot, so we continue in that. What happens if we don't? What happens if uh, we, you know, we're in charge of a large megachurch, preaching up a storm, calling ourselves holy people, and then sleep with our secretaries? <laughs> First time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never happened before, right, Sharon? <laughs> yeah. Only in America, no. Just oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, only because they got the big ones. I'm sure it happens in Europe too. <laughs> right. But uh, so, yeah. So as a holy people, as changed into the image of God, as reflecting his, his holy character, there is an obligation on our side too. To be holy. Hence all of these if-then statements that you find in the Gospel of John. And that doesn't detract from grace. That doesn't detract from mercy or, or, or that side of God, uh, it, it reflects both what you see here in Deuteronomy and in, and in the Gospels, that same one thing that, that goes throughout uh, the entire Bible. We are a holy people. Yeah. Yes. Can I add the verse from 1 Peter 2 on this? Please. In section 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and following, it says, But you are, are a chosen race, you know, talking to the, the church in the diaspora, yes. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So it's, it's with a purpose, to yep. proclaim the excellencies of God. There you go. Yes. You know, Eric, uh, I don't want to open a Pandora's box on the idea of if you have uh, somebody who's defiantly gone against the Lord and his commandments, then you've got the text in Hebrews, and then you have the whole thing, one saved, always saved, or you have the, um, the other side of that if you lose your salvation, and you've got you know, text in Hebrews that says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there not, no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of murder. And so it goes on. And I just, you know, I don't want to open that. I, I mean, I don't want to just totally go off on a tangent. But, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's that if you obey and if you keep the commandments and you have the first generation uh, in Egypt and uh, when they came out, the first generation did not. They, they were deliberately defiant against God and his commandments. Only one, Moses, and then, of course, eventually Caleb uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, Joshua and Caleb. So 
you have that, uh, you know, that, that uh, you have a lot of passages that can go either way on that issue. But if there's a defiant sin and you continue in that defiant sin, you know, defiant blatant against, once you have received the knowledge, um, just, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's important. I think it goes back to what Roddy's saying that, you know, for, with our heart, right? So if you stay, yes. if you stay in touch with God and you truly love God, yeah. I mean, in theory, you can go out and do whatever you want because your love for God will direct you to do what's right and holy and true. And so your, your, your works will follow. They can't help but follow true faith. But, no, in, yes. but in a sense of, by the same token, I think of first Thessalonians one, um, five verse um, 23 there, 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful who will also do it so he's the one who gives us faith from the beginning right in romans yep. one you know it's from faith by faith from first to last like we always mm -hmm. live by faith and it's we can never just do it like just religious works religious activities. right that's, that's really that was point. the thing that moses is trying to also get away from so I, I want, it's got to come with your heart. It's got to be joyful. It's got to come from you. It can't just be this, you know, I can't wait for this show to be over so I can go home and, you know. Um, and I think the best blessing out of all of these blessings that we've been, is where Moses is saying, that God is saying, is in verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. So what's the blessing? Hmm. The Lord the does the work. It's relationship. Relationship. Yeah. The great, the great blessing you know, that initially Israel had. They had a relationship with God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, a minimum of three times it's clear. If you love me, keep my commandments. Correct. He does say that. And if yes. you love me, you keep my commandments. Yep. Then you, don't. I, you and I will be together, and the Father, He will come, and the Spirit will come, and it goes over mm -hmm. and over and over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 exactly. The Gospel of John is very reflective of, of large mm -hmm. things of what Moses is saying towards the end of this, uh, mm -hmm. this book. The, the, the biggest blessing is a relationship with the Lord. If you love me, if you keep my commands, then I will make my, my Father and I will come and we will make our house with you. And, uh, and so they'll be a holy people. You'll keep the commandments, the Lord your God, walk in his ways. And the result, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. They'll be afraid of you. Okay, yeah, okay all right, fine. But the people will see, right? They will, what's that, what's that song? They will know you are Christians by your love. They will see that there is a God. They will see your faith in action. They will see that there truly is something out there beyond in the universe. Why? Because of you guys. Uh, well, because of us. Uh, and in this case, because of Israel, right? The light to the nation. We're going to get these people in the promised land. Uh, why? Because somehow this is going to show the, the rest of the world what's going on. And the, the blessings keep going in 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, okay? In the fruit of the womb, begins to repeat how wonderful everything's going to be. Uh, the fruit of the livestock, fruit of the ground within the land, an attachment to the land and the people always going to be there, that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. 
and the Lord will open up to you his good treasury, the heavens. Oh, fantastic. And he's going to rain down silver and gold on us. No, wait, it's going to be rain. <laughs> okay, so what is the great treasure of heaven? Water. <laughs> and you think, oh, what's so special about that? Well, try living without it. Some, you know, it's, uh, it, the, it's quite amazing how in the, in the ancient world, they understood exactly what was the most uh, important thing on the planet, Adam's ale, yeah, water from heaven. And um, as any farmer will tell you, you know, they can work hard. They can have a million-dollar combine harvester. They can have an incredible field and buy the best seeds from Monsanto that, you know, that genetics physicists can, can possibly produce. But if you don't add water and if you don't make the sunshine, it does not matter. Uh, that so somehow God plays a role in everything and, and starts with the life itself, the food that we eat. So there is going to be treasure from heaven, excellent rain, and it's going to come in a season. Okay? Um, obviously in this land, this land, uh, we have a, a wet and a dry season. Brazil, do you have a wet and a dry season or is it always wet there? I can't remember. Are you tropical? Summer, yeah, yeah, we're tropical, very tropical. Summer, summer is extremely rainy and then winter dry. Right, if you have a wet and dry, dry like that. Dry, so dry and cold, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and to bless all the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Okay, so there's going to be a relationship that you're going to have. Um, I... I bet many of uh, you thought that God of Israel, again, talking about the Jewish banking lending system, but well, he's not. Uh, here it means the Torah, basically the Bible. Uh -huh. and, you know, we don't take other gods or like other mitzvot, but we lend our Torah. Because, you know, Aaron, you probably heard that we often call Torah as the book of the books because Torah inspired many religions, inspired many religious books. So we never borrow anything from idol worshippers or other guys, but we have the treasury, which is called the Torah, Old Testament, Jewish Bible, and we lend it to other people. The book of Acts. Okay, yeah, that, that's the, the, the spiritual application for this verse. Yes, yeah. to take away from the, the, the idea of money and what exactly do you give to the nations? You give the, the, the Torah, which is an interesting thing. How does God want to be revealed to other people? Yeah, good question. He wants to be revealed to other people by other people. Now, isn't that an interesting thing, okay? It's not that God said, i got this new plan for you. You all just sit on the planet, and I'll sort of magically appear to you all one at a time. You all get a minute, maybe even less, because there's a, a darn lot of you right now, and, uh, and, you know, and you'll all become believers. No, it's God chooses a, a nation to reveal himself to other nations, and God chooses individuals to reveal himself to other individuals. So you and I join in the work of, the, of that kingdom. And so we lend... As, uh, you know, as the Jewish people would say, lend the Torah. We lend the spirit. We lend the, the Ruach Kodesh. We lend the Messiah. But we don't take theirs. For free. Take, for, yeah, yeah, we lend it for free. Correct. There you go. But we don't take theirs. That's the other thing. We can't, we've got to keep we've got to, the danger of syncretism. 
And uh, that is unfortunately dangerous to the church, as you can see in large sections of the church around the world, where they have embraced the gods of this age and uh, really watered down the gospel and their churches are emptying and we'll see it. For those of us who, who are a part of the Anglican world, we saw it a lot and we've, we've had to get away from our um, former brothers and sisters who embraced uh, the false gospel and the false gods and, and really sold out and really have nothing to preach, uh, which is a shame. But our, our job is... Um, is to uh, is to reveal God to the world. He wants to reveal it to, to uh, reveal Himself through other people. And a classic example of that is in the Bible. Abraham. And, yeah, Abraham. Abraham. Genesis yeah. twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it, and, you, and starting from there, going forward, you could probably name all kinds of people who who came to Israel and announced, "Oh my gosh, there is a God." Uh, Queen of Sheba says it. In uh, 1 Kings 10, she comes into Solomon and says, I've seen what God has done for your people, how he's blessed you, done this, done that, how much wisdom he's got. There is a God in heaven. I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, God reveals himself through a people. And that includes us. Yeah. The New Testament calls us ministers of reconciliation, eh? That we're ambassadors for God? Yes, we are amb Christ's ambassadors. Or, you know, sometimes I like to joke, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. It was like, uh, oh my gosh, that's it! I'm gonna tie you down, Aaron. And I'll sprinkle you with, you know, sparkling water and baptize you right now. Is uh, well, no, yeah, it's, it's true. I'm a witness uh, of the living God, just as the people of Israel were when they were standing on the banks of the Jordan, about to cross cross him. And, uh, okay, and it comes with, you know, Sorry, Aaron. Another one, other quick thought. This is a really good thought too. That you know, that exactly what you're saying. That we are, we have to get it right though. So it can't just sort of be you know, Jehovah as we want him, but Jehovah right. as he is, right? Because even in Matthew 7, when Jesus said, um, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, that's a good say, point. What's that, Matthew 7, is it? Yeah. 7, 21 to 23, because many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles, which seems to be very spiritual activities, Right. But then yeah. God says to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So it's yeah. possible to practice your religion so impressively to the human look, you know what I mean? Sure. But not even know God in the process. That's Yeah, that's right. You practice the religion and somehow the heart went, went astray. And yet Moses right here says, you know, make sure it's with your heart and soul. Yep, good point. Okay, so uh, we're up to good treasures of heaven. Nation, we're going to borrow to nations. Oh, sorry, we will not borrow from nations. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And so there's this uh, way where the Lord raises you up and actually does some exaltation of a, of a human. Uh, you, will, you will go up, not down. Conditional. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful do them, put them into practice. And you don't turn from the side of any of the words that I command you today to the right hand to the left. And then there's the little throw in there of idolatry, one of the greatest sins uh, of the Bible. Okay, so those are all the blessings. Um, however, as it's, you know, 
Choice is a two-edged sword. If you believe in free will, then you have a choice. And the great thing about choice is you have a choice. The downside of having a choice is you have a choice, is that there's the downside. There's, okay, what happens if I chose poorly and I don't want to obey the Lord your God? And then you get this long rendition. Probably don't have to go over them all, maybe a few, because um, uh, it does seem to prophesy a fair bit of what, may or may not occur in uh, the future. So having a look at 15, but if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes I command you today, then all of his curses come upon you. And I can't remember who pointed that out at the start, but it wasn't just one or two. Was that you, Sharon? It was like all of them. Um, And then it goes down. Whatever was a blessing at the front becomes the negative in every aspect, being that uh, uh, whether it's economy, whether it's going to be with, with your children, um, there's a fair bit of pestilence and fire and destruction and drought and, and, and the rain from heaven, which is normally a treasure, is, is going to be away. Uh, these enemies that, that are going to come against you are actually not going to be defeated. They're going to beat you. And spiritually, that means you're going to give in to temptation, okay? If you reject God, you will eventually give in to all of those evil temptations and you will walk a very dark path. Aaron, can I just suggest that in one sense, what we're reading here in chapter 28, it's just like a commentary on chapter 27 where it said you had these lists of curses based on committing certain things or not doing other things, but there was no detail there of actually what the outworking of the curse would be. Now we are reading it. Now, yes. Yes. And, it's and, it, and it's, yeah. well, what do you say, I Rodney? think it's, it's interesting to note the difference between verse 8 and verse 15. Okay. The verses for, for the blessing, God says, I will actively command the blessing. In verse 15, these curses will fall upon you. God doesn't send them. And I, I believe we can see in this oh, very nature good. of God as, as reflected in Jesus. Jesus says, bless and don't curse. Yep. I'm, I, th- I think we can be sure that God blesses, but he does not curse. The result of sin bears its own reward, and it's seen in our world as curses. But in God's, in God's eyes, it is an educational mechanism for those he loves even as we see in the next couple of chapters. The misfortunes of sin are intended to restore us to the, to the blessings of obedience. Thanks, thanks, Ariad. That's an interesting we, point. God we have, we have the, same language, the same language first appears in Genesis 3. God tells Adam, God did not curse the land, but the ground, but he said it will be cursed both because of you and for you, for your, for your benefit, ba'avoha. It's both included in this word here, just as these curses coming upon us in Deuteronomy are for our good in the end. But Ariel, in verse 22, does it say in Hebrew, like the Lord will strike you? Yes, it does. I think he still tests and trains us and strikes and you know well, like that, 
sorry, go. Yeah, these these he he does he's in this, but it's not a it's not a curse in his eyes, in my opinion. He is working to bring us back to blessing. With a purpose, uh -huh. thinking with a purpose. <laughs> okay, I got I'm writing all this down because it's uh, I hadn't thought of that before. So could we then say that God is not petty? It's always purposeful. Okay. Yeah. But still a painful spanking. Well, that's right. Hebrews 12. Uh, all discipline is unpleasant for the time being, but it is for our good. Yeah. Okay, so Andrew's uh, comment is, but is it man that strikes? That is, is the, the effect, man's effect of the curse when God withdraws the, the protection? So like it could be, it could be argued that way. It could be argued the other way. Um, but um, I think there is something in the way Moses describes in Hebrew, right, in verse 8, that God commands a blessing, but then in verse 15 how there is no the command of the curse, the curse falling. That is a, actually a very powerful um, point. Excellent. It's yeah. It's it's interesting um, when you have, for example, in Noah when they were it just even every imagination and how they had basically brought you know uh, you know curses upon themselves and all of the sin that God just. I mean, God sustains everything with creation and order. He holds back the waves. He he holds the waters above the waters and. In the sense with Noah, he just, uh, with, you know, the generation, he just lets it go. It's as if God just says, okay, if this is, if this is how you've destroyed it, uh, he just takes, in a sense, he just lets it go. Like with um, Pharaoh, you know, holding the waters, it's the, the, the decreation of having the water stay in their places. And it gets to the point where they've have had so much destruction that it's, he, he decreates and lets the waters you know how he divides at the beginning of creation everything is separated by his his commands and he's actively participating in blessing but at some point he takes that away that's what they want so it's again the measure for measure so he he lets the the waters come upon them he takes out his protective blessings and um then there's that decreation the waters you know coming uh, you know breaking through and and the land being covered. And so it's, it's, uh, I see that as well. So, yeah. And for the Jewish people, this reads you know, like history of the nation. Right. I mean, um, they didn't keep uh, the commandment. And so, you know, all the way through to verse 64, where the Lord says, and the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you will serve other gods of wood and stone and leave you your fathers and mothers. Yeah, and among the nations. Sorry? Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah there, there'll be no respite. You know, they, it, yeah. they just, it just will not stop. And you can see it in, in, un, in the un tragedy of Jewish history. These constant expulsions from one nation after a nation. And it seems to go okay for a little bit, and then it goes bad again. Um, and it's been quite amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Verse 33, you will read, A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and all your labor. So it's happened uh, like two times. I mean, more than two times. The Romans, Ottomans, Greek, they all came to this land and they ate the fruits. It's, 
what you say said was true because it's a history book. You know, we yeah. see it, it's the evidence. It happened. Yeah. So from a from an orthodox perspective, how how do people how do they um, how do they view the Holocaust? Well, I'm glad you you said orthodox perspective because we have many different opinions in the Jewish world. Yes. You, know, you never think one thing. So in many congregations, such as Chabad, Satmar, and some Hasidic and Haredi organizations think that because we didn't obey the Torah and we borrow other gods and cultures into our lives and we try to become like them, as it's written here in 64, got scattered among us. And that was the reason of Holocaust. I mean, not all of them agreed with this. And it's not an open uh, saying, you know, they just don't go on TV in Israel like Channel 13 and say, you know what I think about Holocaust. They don't say this, but our <laughs> brings gatherings in Yeshivot, religious seminaries, they actually teach these things. They say, because we tried, because we didn't obey God with joy, that's the first thing, and we borrow other gods, we tried to become like them, we didn't wear kippah, we didn't have payos, we didn't do this, yeah. and yeah. As a uh, result of this, God sent his curses and destroyed us. Yeah. Because uh, what the Orthodox perspective believe is uh, God blesses Israel as one and God curses Israel as one. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So that's an interesting, interesting um, thing that you just said there. This yeah. true in the way the way Moses is talking here is in a national level and um, and in the New Testament, it does talk about both a people. And us as an individual. Well, yeah, that's why we say, you know, Amechat, Levechat, even there's a song called Amechat, Levechat, you know, like one yeah, nation, okay. one heart, and one family. It's kind of scary because you can't be, uh, stop being a Jew. So if you are a very faithful Jew, but there's your fellow Jew who doesn't obey God, so you're going to be <laughs> cursed by God. Uh, <laughs> Kind of scary. I mean, <laughs> that's how it is. That's how it was, and how it is now. You know, yeah. he, he does. Mordecai, Mordecai. If we have the joy of the Lord, the enemies won't come. So let them. They can stay in their little corner, and you stay in yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to Jewish people, got things differently. They say, "Oh, I got you guys." They're like, "No, I didn't do that. He did this." <laughs> oh, I don't care. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's it's interesting that you know the the, the comment that you you'd mentioned Mordecai because uh, they didn't observe enough mitzvot. So when they came back, then they you just the the the, the fences and like more fences because they're afraid that they didn't do the basic uh, obedience. So it's just so many fences around. Yeah, but I do now. not agree with this. There are many people mm-hmm. who don't agree with that. But as one. There's the Rosh Yeshua speaks, then you have no saying in this. Mm-hmm. So he believes that, and he tries to convince you to believe and teach like this. I personally don't believe, because my my grandparents were killed in Berlin. He was a rabbi. He was a good guy. He never tried to become like them. My uncle was a doctor. He wasn't orthodox, but they killed him as well. You know, like they, they didn't deserve this. I think God doesn't, you know, judge Jewish nation as this because there were different problems, socio-economic problems, 
you know, Nazis, world, you know, World War One caused World War Two. It's all happened. I mean, you cannot just say that, but there's a huge believing in the Haredi community, and that they use this as a as a weapon to keep the community tight. You know, Aaron, Aaron, and Ari Ari also lives here, right? We saw twenty thousand Haredim attend a funeral of a rabbi who passed away, ninety-nine years old. Because they're scared. They say, oh, man, if I don't observe Torah now and during Corona, I don't want to be get cursed, you know. The rabbi says, let's go. They all go. I'm not one of them. That's why I'm here. There are many good rabbis in Chabad. They don't agree with this. But maybe 85% of the Haredi Orthodox community think about Holocaust as Here's an interesting passage if I could share with you guys real quick. It's Joshua 24, 19, 20, 21. It's in response to the people talking. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after yeah. he, he has been good to you. So there's two sides to God. that, And he's yeah. jealous because it's a real relationship right so if yeah. you don't obey yeah. and follow god yeah. Yeah. you pay the that's price right there, there are two sides to the the sword has two edges the 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 blessings and and the curse and so obedience has um uh, a positive side to it there's, a, there's a, the evil won't come as we see in verse seven is that it won't triumph ultimately um but the it has to be it has to be a heart issue it can't yeah. just be a works righteousness thing. I think that's a very good point that Moses is saying through Deuteronomy. This is not works righteousness, uh, but it is. But love of the Lord of God does involve following commands. And that's what Jesus says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's the same. Blessed is he who hears my words and, and puts them into practice. But it's a heart response as opposed to a works righteousness uh, response. Um, yeah, one more thing I would like to say about what I said. Um, I don't watch Netflix, but one of my Yeshua buddies told me that there is a TV show or whatever it's called, Unorthodox. And if you watch it, there, he told me that there was a rabbi uh, teaching the guys at the tish, Shabbos tish, uh, Shabbat table that all this happened because of the, you know, because we try to assimilate to the culture. Well, you can check it out. And it probably happened, and that's why they, it's, it's not made up, you know. I personally yeah. witnessed it. No, I understand. Yes, I, I, I get it. And unfortunately, it's also been part of the church's teaching too, right? Oh. You know, that's, you know, it's a, a not surprise. Yeah, and, and, it, and it can lead. While on one hand, okay, there is a, the, the God is, is being very clear here in verse, in chapter 28, these curses will come upon you if you if you if this ha if you do this if you go down this path this is the result. But so on one hand, you have the prophetic truth of what God is speaking. But on the other hand, it can if it's if you overemphasize this, it can lead to anti-Semitism and has done so in the church to a very yeah. detrimental way. So we need yeah. to balance the truths of Scripture that. There, uh, we must love the Lord our God with our heart, with our soul. That God does have instructions. These instructions are meant to be on the heart, as uh, Moses says, reflected by the prophets. They come with blessings. Yeah. And then a rejection of God, a rejection of the love of Christ, a rejection of the Messiah, 
is not a positive thing. And it will leave you to the, it will leave you to all the snares and the entrapments of the world. And that will go in a very dark place. Yeah, it will take the joy from your heart. Yes, and, and it will take all the joy out of your life. Yeah. And, in verse uh, and 25, the Lord will cause you, you know, verse 27, the Lord will strike you. Verse 28, the Lord will strike you. God's exactly. actively involved, you know. He's not a passive participant here. You know, okay. something very interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 29, it, uh, he talks about be, being careful to not serve the gods, you know, the detestable things of idols of wood and stone, silver, gold. Um, and he says, you know, turning away from the Lord, our God and serving other gods. And then he mentions one example, like one who, when he hears the words of this covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of the moist and dry alike. And this is the, this is the more interesting, this is the one that it's a little bit scary. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger, you know, the, the flaring nostrils of the Lord and his jealousy will smoke against that man and the curses written in this book will settle upon him and the lord will blot out his name from under heaven okay. so it's well, a really your homework yvonne is to do lots of research about that verse now that you brought it up for next week <laughs> <laughs> okay what does it mean to have your name blotted out from under heaven okay can well, you Moses, get, yeah. can we write exactly. it back in there is it one saved always saved? okay why don't we just yeah. do that talk next week okay let's see what happens okay. we'll moses right moses was really to put himself in. Okay, brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.